1: 630 Chad inside sports with Reed Wilkins weekdays at six on 630 Chad. All right. Well, this one's for the birds. Sort of a couple of bird baseball teams to tell you about as we start here. I'll update the Toronto Blue Jays who are in the top of the third at home are trailing the Chicago White Sox one, nothing the Baltimore Orioles. You may have been following their exploits or maybe lack of exploits, at least good ones. The Baltimore Orioles at home tonight against the Angels riding. Do you ride a losing streak of 19 games, suffering through a 19 game losing streak? So the Orioles trying to avoid their 20th consecutive loss tonight as they take on the Angels in the bottom of the third, they trail three, two. So that, that got well, actually I'll give a little bit of credit here. A lot of credit to Dave Campbell, the producer of the show for saying, well, why don't you, why don't you go over some long losing streaks tonight? So here here are some agonizing numbers, especially if you are or were a fan of any of these teams. None of these teams are local to the Edmonton and Northern Alberta region. But I looked up some of the longest losing streaks ever. And if you're talking about the Orioles in Major League Baseball, they are the record holder. And I remember this from when I was a young lad going to high school in Evansburg, following along with this. Now, at this uh, time in my life, I was probably checking the box scores in the newspaper the next day because there was a little thing called the internet was not around, at least wasn't in people's homes. So the Baltimore Orioles have the uh, the American League. I, I guess they, they technically don't have the major league record, though I, I kind of have a cutoff line for things. I think we have to – I mean, look, here's the longest uh, – Major League Baseball losing streak. It's from the American Association, which doesn't exist anymore, and a team called the Louisville Colonels. I believe this was the team that invented fried chicken. I think that's why they lost so much. They were so full of fried chicken in the dugout they couldn't win. Don't quote me on that part. Now I'm hungry for fried chicken. Uh, The Louisville Colonels lost 26 consecutive games in 1889. Now, I don't want to be one of those people that's like, well, if it was from before I was born, uh, you know, I can't – I mean, it doesn't count. Well, yeah, but if it was like that long ago before sort of modern-day baseball, I I had kind of have trouble including that. But it happened. They lost 26 consecutive games. In the National League, a uh, team called the Cleveland Spiders, which uh, – this was their this was their last year of existence for for this version of the franchise. The Cleveland Spiders have the National League record of 24 games. Now that was in 1899. It is not believed that there is video footage of any of the losses. I don't think you can go on YouTube and put in Cleveland Spiders losing streak and see some of the highlights of their ineptitude. I don't believe you can. So sort of the more modern-day longest losing streak is the Baltimore Orioles. It is 21 games, so they're almost there. If they lose tonight, they can tie it in their next game. The Baltimore Orioles, and and again, I remember following this when I was in high school, the Baltimore Orioles lost 21 consecutive games in 1988. Not only did they lose 21 consecutive games, I mean, try being a fan of this team. They lost their first 21 games of the season. That's right. That's right. In 1988, the Baltimore Orioles started the season 0-21. I mean, I often reflect back on my uh, first year hosting the face-off show and overtime open line for the Oilers in uh, the 13-14 season. And the Oilers started the season, uh, I always remember the record, 4-15-2. 21 games into the year, they had four wins. Not very good. 21 games into the season in 1988 for the Baltimore Orioles, they had zero wins. Kind of hard to rally for a playoff spot, and you remember in that day and age in major league baseball, only the division winner got in. there was no wild card, and there were only two divisions in each league and all that kind of stuff. so that is the baseball record, and maybe one the orioles will break or tie by the weekend or on the on the i guess on the weekend would be when they could break it so that's major league baseball uh for the for the american league again the the, the like I consider the major league baseball record. Um, to be the, the, the National League one, but certainly modern day we're at 21 games. Okay, so that's that. In the National Football League, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in 76 and 77, when they were a new team, lost 26 consecutive games. Not very good. Just just a random one from now, CIO, well now U Sports Football. It was called CIS at the time. The Toronto Varsity Blues football team. And as we know, we've had some eras of, of tough seasons for the Golden Bears here at Edmonton where they had some 0-8s along the way. But they, they did not reach 49 consecutive losses like the Toronto Varsity Blues. The, the, uh, the, the losing streak stretched from 2001 to 2008. The losing streak stretched from 2001 to 2008, 49 consecutive games, U sports football. That would be tough. It probably hurt recruiting, and I would guess it hurt fan interest. National Basketball Association is quite recent, and it happened twice to the same franchise in back-to-back years. The Philadelphia 76ers, the the trust-the-process years, where they were really really terrible, lost 28 consecutive games in both 14-15 and in 15-16. Same franchise, back-to-back years, exact same length of losing streak, 28 games. They play 82 in the NBA uh just like in uh the NHL. So there's a 30-year season gone, all losses. Now in the NHL, yeah, you got you got to qualify this one a little bit because the the Odd thing about the National Hockey League is you could lose every game you play and finish with eighty-two points if you lost every game in overtime or a shootout. Clearly, nearly impossible that that would ever happen, but it it, it is uh, you know at least within all the multiverses, maybe it's happened somewhere. So you kind of got to put these in different categories: the uh, Pittsburgh Penguins and the of oh three oh four, and the Buffalo Sabers from this past season both lost 18 consecutive games now for the penguins one of those was an overtime loss so they got a point in 0304 they lost 3-2 in overtime to the blues the buffalo sabers as we know from this this past year and we had curtis lazar on the show a few weeks ago he was he went through this losing streak before he was traded to the boston bruins uh so they got three points during the course of their 18 games. They went 0-15-3. They had an overtime loss to the Devils, uh, and they had two shootout losses uh, against the Flyers, or, or two losses that, that went to extra time against the Flyers. So 0-15-3 for Buffalo. So the longest time without a win in hockey is 18 games. The longest streak without a point where you're not even getting the the loser point, the mercy point, whatever you want to call it, 17 games. The Washington Capitals, we we know they were terrible early in their history, 74-75. The uh, Washington Capitals lost 17 straight, all in regulation time. They did have uh, regulation time ties back in those days, but they they couldn't even get a tie. And the San Jose Sharks, when they joined the league in 92-93, they lost 17 consecutive games and they went 20 games total without a win. So uh, they had ties though. So it's kind of interesting because in the cases of Buffalo and Pittsburgh with their losing streaks, they had games where they got a point, but the other team uh, got a win. San Jose had ties, uh, but the other team, anyway. So there's the longest, uh, just sort of random things bouncing around in my head. So the Orioles tonight, let's update the score. Now I'm uh, well. It's now six two for the Angels in the bottom of the third. So there you go. It could it, it's likely going to hit twenty tonight, and then maybe twenty one to tie uh, their own American League record as we move along. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. Hope uh, you're not riding any sort of a losing streak as you're checking into the show. My name is Reed Wilkins. You can follow me on Twitter at. Reed Wilkins, R-E-I-D-W-I-L-K-I-N-S. I was lucky to get my own name. I didn't have to go like, you know, read 4,675. Uh, I tweeted out a, a preview of a story we have coming up at 7.30 tonight. We're going to have uh, a really interesting interview with Justin Rayner. He's a, a scout for the Moose Jaw Warriors. He was injured in a hockey game in December of 2004 playing Bantam hockey. As a result of his injury, he is a quadriplegic. Yesterday, for the first time since that injury, he was on skates. I've tweeted out the video and he's going to tell the story behind that between 6:30 and 7. Mooner's on the show tonight. Cavis Reed is going to check in from the Edmonton Wildcats as we get ready for the showdown between the Wildcats and the Huskies coming up on Saturday. The hotline is presented by Teed Professional Grade Building Material 7804960063. You can give me a call that way. We will do golf trivia tonight. We want to send you and three other individuals out for a day of golf at Edmonton Springs. Uh, we'll do the uh, question a little bit later on. We have an audio clue this evening, and you will have to answer the question live on it. Don't call in right now. Don't get too excited. We're not doing it. I'm just I'm just giving you a little tease, a little preview. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three is the open line number and the uh, number to take part in the contest. Okay. So the latest from the Edmonton Elks today, as of course they continue to not practice and not get ready for a game that will not be played tomorrow. One more positive test. Announced today, that makes it a total of 12 Elks who have uh, tested positive since returning from Vancouver. They are all players, no coaches or staff. The Elks saying the identity of the players who tested positive not being released at this time. And, uh, yeah. So we continue to wait, and it continues to be very unlikely that this game at Toronto will be played before the Labor Day-Monday matchup. Elks at Calgary. I think that's probably going to be the next game for the Edmonton Elks. Of course, this is drawing attention from around the league. Orlando Steinauer is the coach of the Hamilton Tiger Cats. He had this to say about learning from the Elks outbreak.
0: The heightened awareness is is on that. I mean, I think the best teacher of the majority of things are examples and and real life testimonies and um, you know, it's an unfortunate thing that happened and, you know, obviously we don't want to be in that list of organizations uh, uh, that, you know, might have to possibly postpone or cancel a football game. So I think uh, it's a wake-up call for everybody that it's still alive and out there, and uh, obviously it's rapidly spreading outside of our CFL bubble, and we need to continue to adhere to this health and safety protocol. So that's, you know, it's, a, it's an emphasis for us, and, and we'll just keep
1: moving forward. All right, now, also from the Hamilton Tiger Cats and COVID related to the CFL, defensive lineman Jagarad Davis has been ruled ineligible to play against the Montreal Alouettes in week four. He was listed on the injury report as missing practice all week with a non injury related designation. Uh, Orlando Steinhauer explains that this is uh, in relation to Davis breaking COVID protocols.
0: So basically, the, the the truth is, is uh, when it comes to J- with JaGarrett, he um, what's the easiest way to put it? He basically violated a, a, a league protocol um, and it wasn't an intentional thing. And so these are this is you know, these are the repercussions of, of or I should say the result of that.
1: All right, so there's a little bit from what's going on with the Hamilton Tiger Cats. We had Nataya Jay on the show last night, former member of the Double E. He's now stepped into the broadcast booth with the Toronto Argos. Uh, now, Nate recently retired, so uh, keeping an eye on the Argos as they go through this week of not preparing for a game. He does uh, obviously know a lot of players uh, on the Elks, and I asked him for his take on what's going on here with the Elks COVID situation.
2: Tough, um, to really comment on it, because I know a lot of the guys, and I've talked to a lot of guys, um, so it's really tough to comment on because it, it's that's a situation in the CFL where if you don't have uh, 85% vaccination, which you know a couple teams have now, this is probably the situation we're going to get into because one guy getting COVID could spread like wildfire, like we're seeing with the, with, with the Elks, right? So it's a tough situation. I'm just, if I was on the team and I was a guy that was vaccinated, I'd be really upset because they're hurting my, my earning potential for this season. Um, but at the same time, I understand that people have the, you know, the decision to make whatever choice they want. You know I mean, that's right. No one's being forced to get the vaccine. But so, But if I'm a guy that's unvaccinated, i have to shrug my shoulders and say you know this is what we signed up for i'm just you know need to follow the protocols but it's just tough it's tough and you know as a fan you know there's a lot of fans that are vaccinated that you know have done everything they they possibly could to keep themselves and their loved ones safe and to watch you know i guess it's probably tough to watch guys you know not take it as serious as they have been um but you know it's 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 a tough situation all around because right now it's you know guys are are that are vaccinated it's such a divisive thing right now you know you, you know uh pro-vax versus uh anti-vax so i don't know the guys are in touch spots but i do i have talked to a couple guys that aren't vaccinated and i asked them why aren't you vaccinated and the guys i've talked to i don't have no one has given me one good reason why they're not um so it's so hopefully, sooner or later, guys realize this is serious and, and they get vaccinated, and, and so we can we can play football like we want to. We missed the whole year of, of, of CFO action, right? And, you know, if that wasn't tough enough, then why would you risk it? And I understand when guys have uh, medical reason not to get vaccinated, and no, you know what I mean? I understand that. But if you have no good reason to get vaccinated, I don't understand. But obviously, if you're not, you have a good reason, I hope.
1: All right. That's Natea TJ last night on inside sports uh, talking about uh, speaking with a couple of current members of the Edmonton Elks and asking them uh, why they haven't been vaccinated again up to now 12 players for the Elks who have uh, who have tested positive uh, Chris Preston did say earlier in the week that it is a, uh, a mix of vaccinated and unvaccinated players who have tested positive though the majority of them he didn't give an exact number are unvaccinated and again if this doesn't if this game doesn't get played the elk's players will not be paid for it. It is 621. It's Inside Sports on 630 Chet. All right, Mike Smith and the Oilers. Uh, What are we at now? Less than a month until... Training camp. What is today? Today is August twenty uh, fifth. We got a preseason game already. September twenty sixth, the Oilers are going to play the Calgary Flames in Calgary. First home preseason game will be September twenty eighth. The Seattle Kraken will bring their tentacles to town. Can we say that, Kellen? Does that sound weird? With a, <laughs> that's with a, what a Kraken has. So sure, well, they got tentacles. It's tentacle time. I guess that's what one of the things we can say. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm gonna to have to come up with some good Kraken uh, comments. I, if I've had people write in asking if their arena is gonna be called the Crack House, I'm not sure that's how the the team itself will refer to it. They, they, they might do. <laughs> they might do a little something else, perhaps. The, uh, yeah, <laughs> it's it's Tentacle Time. The Seattle Kraken are gonna. Grab you and sink your ship. That, is that going to be one of their promotional slogans? <laughs> we're, we're going to wrap our tentacles around your ship and crush it. Yeah. I, I think that's what they're going to go with. They should hire us to do their promotions. Kill them. Okay. We got a great story coming up. Justin Rayner, he was injured and became a quadriplegic playing hockey in 2004. He was on skates for the first time since then yesterday. Thank you, Mysterious Announcer Man. Blue Jays and White Sox 1-1 in the third. Orioles, who have lost 19 consecutive games, trail the Angels 6-4. That is in the bottom of the third in Baltimore. We were talking about record losing streaks earlier in the show the orioles of 1988 owned the american league record they lost 21 straight and it was 21 straight to start the season they're at uh, 19 coming into this game thanks a lot for tuning in tonight it is inside sports on oilers and elks radio 630 shed we got an elks game on labor day for sure I, I doubt we'll have one before then but we'll see what happens with the rescheduling and as i uh touched on earlier i can tell you just over a month away from an Oilers broadcast, it's going to be Edmonton at Calgary on Sunday, September 26th. I can give you the times. We know the times. Face-off show at 5.30. Game will start at 7. Me, Rob, Cam, Jack, Bob. It's going to be great. Another season. Ready to rock and roll. It's going to be great to talk to this young man. He had a uh, a life-changing injury as a teenager, and he had a, uh, a life highlight last night. We're going to let him tell most of the story. He's currently a scout for the Moose Jaw Warriors. He lives in Regina. Please welcome to Inside Sports Justin Rayner. Justin, how are you doing? I'm doing well. Thank you for having me. Well, it's an honor to have you on the show. I, I think we're going to have a really good chat here. I uh, I, I I was not following you on Twitter until uh, within the last 24 hours, and uh, you have a pretty fun Twitter account. <laughs> and uh, I, I think people are going to enjoy hearing you because uh, you know, first of the the first line in your Twitter bio is hockey player turned quadriplegic, LOL. Um, the quadriplegic is not a word a lot of people would laugh out loud at, Justin. Tell us about the decision to to throw that in there.
3: Yeah, I don't know. I just kind of developed the dark sense of humor over the years of dealing with the injury, and uh, you got to laugh at yourself, right? You got to keep going forward, and uh, that's just how I chose to, uh, to deal with uh, one part of that
1: okay so let, let's go back to december 2nd 2004 just to, to kind of introduce you to people who maybe don't know your story or reintroduce you to people who maybe have seen some of the media about you in the past uh, what what happened that night in december of four
3: yeah so i was a bantam hockey player in uh, southern saskatchewan playing for cabri bulldogs at the time we were in hodgeville and uh, i ended up getting on a breakaway and um kind of just went down the ice full speed and tried to deke out the goalie and kind of lost my balance while I was shooting and chose to shoot instead of watching where I was falling. And I watched the puck instead of putting my hands up and I went head first into the boards behind the net, unfortunately.
1: And were you aware immediately something was wrong or were you knocked out or what was the sensation sort of as the injury happened?
3: Yeah, no, basically like, I looked back at the boards like right before I hit and I was like, Oh man, this is going to hurt. I'm probably going to be winded. Like a lot of hockey players have hit the boards before and you bounce off and you can't breathe for 30, 40 seconds. And that's kind of what I thought was going to happen. And, uh, as soon as I hit the boards, I opened my eyes and I was like, "Oh, this is not right. Like everything from the chin down just went numb and it was throbbing and my body kind of felt like an accordion going in and out a little bit. So yeah, I definitely knew something, uh, bad had happened.
1: <laughs> yeah. What were the subsequent weeks like? Were you even um I, I mean obviously this was an incredibly serious injury. Were you conscious of the the initial recovery? Were you sort of aware of what was happening or were you hospitalized and maybe uh, I you know I, I assume because of your condition there would have been a lot of medication involved. But what were the weeks that followed like?
3: Yeah, so um that night in Hodgeville I I was on the ice for an hour and a half waiting for an ambulance from uh, swift current to come. Then they took me to swift current hospital, um, stabilized me for about five hours. And then they put me on a plane to Regina, an area ambulance. Uh, and then I was in Regina, uh, general hospital for about five months after that. Um, and like the first couple days I was aware I wasn't allowed to drink anything. So like they would dip like a little straw, uh, like a foam thing in water and I would suck on that. Um, that was like the only water I I could drink, um, stuff like that. And then uh, like four or five days in, they did uh, the fusion surgery on my neck. And then for about two weeks, two and a half weeks after that, I was in a, a medically induced coma just to uh, allow the, the healing process to kind of start.
1: So, you know, as a teenager, once you... And I know there was a, a long recovery process, but who who helped you through that? I, I imagine there was a huge mental and attitude adjustment somewhere along the way. Who, who? How did you get through those steps?
3: Yeah, it was a combination of a lot of things. Obviously, my family, my mom, my dad, um, my stepmom, my stepdad, my brothers and sisters, um, friends coming up to visit all the time, and then obviously the hockey community. Um I had so many awesome guys come visit me. Josh Harding, Ryan Smith came to visit me when uh, he was back in Moose Jaw visiting family. Um, Cause this is of course the lockout year. Um, so a lot of guys were available to come visit and uh, that really boosted my spirits a lot as a 13 year old. So, so it was a combination of a lot of people. Um, and then further along in the journey, as you go, like the closer you get to going to rehab, you start meeting guys in chairs and uh I I met a bunch of guys that were like Paralympians and just guys that were really getting on with their life and, and living it to the fullest that, that really showed me that life can go on.
1: All right. Well, and and I want to talk to you about some of the things you you are doing in in your life currently. For sure. But but before we maybe dive into that, I I do want to ask about something very specific and you posted something on Twitter last night. I, I saw it while I was hosting inside sports. So it would have been about 23, 24 hours ago. You threw this up. Uh, There's some, well, look, I've retweeted the video. I'm sure I'll let you tell the story. What, what happened? What, tell me about this, you being in skates. Yeah.
3: So basically I hadn't looked at that pair of skates since the night I got hurt. Obviously that was the last time I saw uh, those, that particular pair of skates in uh, what, 16 years. And uh, I got the opportunity To go out on the ice here in Regina Uh, last winter, um, First Steps and the U of R uh, hockey team put on a uh, let's have a go day kind of thing. And um, First Steps Wellness Center here in Regina has the equipment, which you saw me in. It's got like the sling and stuff. And uh, yeah, I just went for it well i didn't just go for it I, it took some convincing obviously from from friends and stuff saying go for it but uh once i got out there man you can tell in the video i just have a giant smile on my face and uh it was it was really healing for me really emotional i had a good cry at the edge of the rink before going out so
1: <laughs> yeah a base, and those are those were your same skates you wore when you were playing bantam that's the that's the exact same pair Jeez. took them out of my hockey
3: bag and uh Took them to the sharpener. Almost had to get new blades on them because they were rusted out. And uh, yeah, strapped them on and went out there. <laughs> I'm sure they smelled great, eh? Oh, fantastic! Yeah, <laughs> great. Yeah. you can imagine 16 years sitting there festering in sweat and
1: in the hockey yeah. bag. Yeah, yeah. most
3: they, they were pretty terrible. I'm not usually,
1: usually 16 minutes in a hockey bag is uh, is enough to yep. get pretty rank. So. Uh, you know, watching your video and, and like I said, you know, you are a quadriplegic, but it, was there, do you have like kind of, uh, as you're doing that, is there some movement? Is there some sensation like, um, what, what, what can you sort of do right now? Yeah. So I was, I
3: was very fortunate after my injury to, um, start to gain a lot of movement back. Um, at first the doctor told me that I was never going to move a muscle again below my chin basically. Um, he said i would probably be on a ventilator the rest of my life and a feed tube the rest of my life and um after the uh the swelling and and the healing process started to take place i started to get a little bit of movement back here and there and um now i can move both my arms a little bit i've got some good finger movement in my right hand Uh, i can move both my legs i got some good toe wiggling in my uh right foot and yeah, so I mean, not enough to really do much with in in all four limbs, but it's better than nothing.
1: Yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, you're right. And, and again, watching the video, I can tell. I, I know you're on skates and and uh, you you're in that sling device you described, but I can yeah. see your your arms moving, and I see you sliding your your feet back a little bit. So uh, yeah, that
3: was that was pretty tough to. I had to keep lifting up my foot because the ice kind of felt sticky, and like wherever my skates were pointed, that's where my feet were going. So. <laughs> I couldn't really move my ankles much to, to guide it. So I had to keep picking up my foot to readjust
1: right on. Well, good for you for doing that. It it is pretty emotional video. And again, I, I've uh, uh, I've tweeted it out and people can follow you on Twitter at wheel. How do you say that? Wh- wheels, wheels, A.K.A.J. Yeah. Okay, there you go. Or they can just look up Justin Rayner, R-A-Y-N-E-R, on uh, Twitter as well to give you a follow. So, I mean, you've, uh, d- despite having, you know, your life derailed, like you've told the story, you've lived a very interesting and very fulfilling hockey life that you- you're still in the process of doing. Yep. And uh, you are a scout for the Moose Jaw Warriors. Tell, tell us how you got into that and uh, and what your schedule is, is like. I guess... Your schedule would have been different this past year, but during a quote-unquote normal year, what's your schedule like? Yeah,
3: for sure. So um, basically, for the first, like, three, four years after my injury, I didn't really like hockey that much. Um, (laughs) And it's not that I didn't like the game. I was just extremely jealous and and envious of people, like, being able to play the game that I love so much. And, uh, yeah, so, like, I didn't really go to the rink much the first couple years. Um, but after that, like the pain kind of subsides and, and you start getting the bug back. And, um, I started out just scouting with buddies from home and, uh, I took it a little more seriously than them. And I, I started writing reports and whatnot. And, uh, my, uh, best friend, his mom works, works in the administrative office of the Moose Jaw Warriors. So I bugged him for probably five years straight to get me an interview with the GM and, uh, and she finally uh, got me in there and and the rest is history. And that's how I became a scout with the Moose Jaw Warriors.
1: All right. So are you traveling a lot? What does what your schedule usually involve, and what level of players are you looking at?
3: Yeah, I don't, I don't travel too much. I kind of just stay around the Regina area. Um, but it's a lot of, uh, I'm, I do a lot of, uh, WHL scouting for the team. So I'm watching teams that come in to play Regina and doing reports on guys that we would potentially be looking at for trades or, um, Uh, up until this past year, it was a lot of guys that would be playing for the, um, team Canada teams because Alan Miller is our GM and he's, he's in the program of excellence. So I'd be looking at a lot of players for under 18 teams and, uh, things like that. So,
1: okay. What do you might, what do you like most about that job? What do you find most fulfilling about it? I don't know. It's, uh, well i get to watch
3: hockey for free which is awesome <laughs> that's kind of a dream job of a lot of people right um yeah i don't know um i like breaking down players games uh kind of dissecting them and uh trying to trying to find a uh diamond in the rough basically
1: yeah yeah that's a good way to put it for sure it's kind of, it's, it's
3: th- kind of like an adventure um you're looking you're hunting for a treasure at the rink <laughs>
1: right yeah that's a good way to put it. so how long have you been with the warriors Tom?
3: I'm um, going into, I think, my sixth season, sixth,
1: sixth season, fifth season okay. maybe. So you, yeah, so you, I can't really remember.
3: I haven't been at the rink for a while with COVID. So
1: <laughs> right. Yeah. Good, good point. Yeah. But it's I, I mean, this is it, this is a, a career for you. This isn't I'm going to try it for a year or two now. I mean, it's become your career, which is pretty cool.
3: Yeah, they they haven't let me go yet, so I must be doing something right.
1: (laughs) (laughs) The reports are coming in on time. Yeah, Yeah, Uh, that's it. Justin Rader joining us tonight on Inside Sports. Okay, also, uh, and I'm going off your Twitter bio again for this one, and you're going to have to help me here because I I don't know uh, much about this side of the the gaming world. You say that you are a competitive EA Sports NHL goalie for Adherence NHL. so is this the competitive video gaming what's going on here yeah
3: that's uh that's nhl esports so basically uh you get a team of six guys together and you match up against another group of six guys and battle it out on the virtual ice (laughs) how did you get involved in this um so my buddies kind of convinced me to buy nhl a couple years ago and i was like dude like i can't really like play whatever my hands are all like messed up and I'm not going to be able to hit the buttons fast enough to enjoy it. And I'm not going to be good and all that kind of stuff. And uh, they got me in there and I was right. I was absolutely atrocious at skater. Um, I can't, I can't play forward or defense to save my life on that game, but um, they threw me a net and uh, I just blossomed in there and, and I've slowly worked my way up the ranks to, to become a, a top level competitor.
1: Okay. So are you, are you on a team with people, you know, personally, or are these people you only have an online relationship with yeah i've, n- I've never met a single one of my teammates <laughs> <laughs> okay and you're in playing, person right online or maybe zoom or whatever so yep. do you, do you, so do you practice do you discuss strategies i mean how does it work when you're on an yeah, esports Yeah, so team?
3: basically when you're on an esports team you'll have a team discord and uh they'll have different categories in there like the team that i just joined for a new tournament coming up um they've got different sections in the discord for the power play the penalty kill breakouts how to dump it in um, how to cycle all sorts of stuff so we're always going over strategies and, and screaming other top teams and just trying to get better trying to learn how to read the plays against different teams and
1: things so, like that so, okay so what's the ultimate is there like are there different tiers of teams are can you win money if you're really good how does this work
3: Yeah, there are definitely different uh, tiers of teams and the top teams do make money playing this. Um, So the top teams are your Olympias, your entourages, teams like that. Um, There's probably like five to seven teams that that can win a tournament in North America right now just because of the skill level of those teams. Um, And then you got another tier below that of maybe 10 to 12 teams and then another tier below that of probably like 30 teams. To make up like a top fifty-ish,
1: and, and are you guys? A, and you, are you guys a top fifty team now, or, or top? Yeah, we we are.
3: We're probably in the. Well, we're in that third tier, but we're working our way up.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, but I assume there's thousands of teams.
3: Oh yeah, there. Yeah, not at the esports level. There's probably probably like I don't know, really
1: really good esports teams. There's
3: probably like ten of them. But okay.
1: All right. Well, that's, uh, that's incredible. That's, that's cool that you're doing that as well. Justin Raynor joining us tonight on, uh, on Insights Force. So Justin, you know, and again, people can, they're hearing this interview, they, they can look you up and read about your story as well. You're pretty open about uh, everything that happened with your injury and with your journey. Uh, how come? Did, like, was it ever something you thought I'm, I'm just never going to talk about it. What prompted you to just kind of be just, be open about everything
3: yeah i don't know um i don't know what really prompted me to be open about it but uh like living in the hospital for two years i saw like i saw the two paths you could really take like there was one you stay in your room and and you're depressed all the time and you aren't living life and the other one was getting back out in the world and being confident and and getting on with life and uh i just one day i kind of woke up and just chose to to move forward and i wanted to uh, i wanted to live a fulfilling life again after the injury so
1: and do you ever meet uh, you know kids around the age you were who who have suffered injuries have you sort of become uh, a mentor and an inspiration mean, you probably don't see yourself that way but you you, you become an inspiration <laughs> to other people i
3: yeah i guess so i mean i tr- i try to uh anytime i hear about a new injury or whatever i try to try to reach out and and just let them know I'm there. If, if the time ever comes, they want to reach out and get together or whatever, or chat about anything. So.
1: Well, good for you, Justin. Uh, Good for you for being on blades yesterday. That was pretty cool. Thanks for sharing that video. And thanks for sharing your story tonight. You, you, You got an interesting life and you're doing great things in a lot of different areas. So good for you. You're welcome on the show anytime, man. Hey, thanks Rita. I appreciate it. Well, I appreciate having Justin on. That is Justin Rayner, a scout for the Moose Jaw Warriors, a competitive video gamer. I learned a lot there. And he kind of took you through some of his journey. We certainly couldn't hit all the bases along the way, but uh, he told you the story. He became a quadriplegic after an injury in a hockey game in December of 2004. And uh, yesterday, and I've tweeted out the video, on skates for the first time since then not just on skates, wearing the very skates he was using as a Bantam player when he suffered his injury. Really cool to talk to him. I was able to speak to him off air this afternoon as well. Uh, Just an upbeat, positive guy. I do believe he's an Oilers fan. We didn't really dive into that during the interview. But I, I do think he is an inspiration. Very honest, very outgoing, and I was pleased to have him on the show. It's Inside Sports. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. Uh, We got a show tomorrow. Weren't going to have one, but we will have one because the Elks are not playing against the Toronto Argos. One more positive test for the uh, Elks today. That's up to 12 players since Saturday morning. So obviously we continue to monitor that situation. As I've said several times this week, this could result in a forfeit for the Edmonton Elks. Uh, Either way, I think very likely this game in Toronto does not get played before Labor Day. They'll uh, likely try to cram it into the schedule some point after that. We'll see if that's possible. Uh, if it's not played, it's a forfeit for the Elks and the uh, players do not get, played, uh, get paid. So some of the things to re, to remember there. Uh, you head to 630 chetcom of course, for the latest on the Elks and on the Oilers and OEG announcing yesterday that uh, starting with that first preseason game on September 28th, fans age 12 and older are going to have to do one of the two, one of these two things to get into Rogers place. Number one, provide proof of full COVID-19 vaccination or provide... Uh, A negative test result, a negative COVID test result taken within 48 hours prior to the game. Now, OEG will have more details about this in the days to come. Um, You know, just working out some of the details where you can get a test, what's going to be acceptable, what you can show to get into the building all that kind of stuff. If you're coming from another uh, province per chance to come to a game, uh, how is all that going to work? But that is the uh, that is the uh, framework of what OEG is going to do, and they'll uh, flesh out some of the details here as we move along. We got the 7 o'clock news and weather coming up. Kavis Reed and Cam Moon in the next hour of the show.